Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, we have a honey of a double feature with the deadly bees and the swarm. Now see if you want to have a picnic. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. She's a roller boogie. That's gotta be good. Boogie. It's the one with Patrick Swayze. It is not, it looks like. Patrick Swayze is in a roller boogie type movie. Really? Swayze on skates. Yeah. So it's on one of those uh, trailer DVDs that I have. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick Swayze. I was like, no, Patrick Swayze, what are you doing? Oh, Swayze, no! <laughs> <laughs> I just right. think it's it's hilarious that somehow Patrick Swayze managed to make an entire career out of only playing, like, two types of things. It's either, like, super, super butch macho characters... Or just incredible characters. Yeah, do what you can. Did he have a brother that was an actor too? Yeah, I think he did. Because like when the Expendables was starting up, I'm like, they should make like one of those Expendables movies, but it's all the brothers that are famous, like Frank Stallone and the Swayze brother. <laughs> Clint Howard. Don Swayze. And he looks just like Patrick Swayze when Patrick Swayze was dying of cancer, which makes it even sadder. Yeah, because I think I think there was some discussion about the, uh, you know, that last TV series that he did, Beast? Mm-hmm. That there was actually, like, an arrangement that if he died before it was, like, finished, that they were going to have his brother finish it out. Because, mm. you know, he looks just fucking like him. Yeah. This is kind of creepy. He's been acting since the 80s. This dude's got a lot of credits, too. He's still working, so... Well, I'm assuming that's because he just goes into a thing and he goes, you know, I'm Patrick Swayze's brother, right? And they're like, put him in the movie. We need that Swayze cred. Oh, he's a choreographer, dance instructor, and dancer. That sounds about right, too. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Oh, no, I read that wrong. He is the son of Patsy Swayze. So Patrick Swayze's mom was named Patsy. And she was a choreographer, dance instructor, and dancer. That sounds about right. All right. That makes more sense. And there's a third one, Sean Swayze, <laughs> who has done one movie called Ooh. Letters from a Killer. It's not good. It's not good when you only have one credit. And he was a driver in the transportation department. <laughs> uh, one, one credit means you did not do good. Oh, did I just record all of that? Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs>
Me making fun of the Swayze family <laughs> definitely got sustained because they deserve it. They know what they did. <laughs> Except for Patrick. He's a good guy. Uh, he made sure nobody put Baby in a corner. Man. I'll tell you what, watching that last series kind of broke your heart because you're like, oh, he's dying. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it, but I did see like all the uh, Inquirer covers like in the grocery store. Oh my god, like, oh. it's it's really fucking good too. Really? Yeah, like really fucking good. Like Patrick Swayze like threw everything into it because he knew it was the last thing that he was doing. Hmm. That's a bummer. Yeah, it's intense though. We but you see him and you're like, oh my fucking god. <laughs> <laughs> like Patrick, what are you doing? You're literally dying on screen. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what it feels like. You're like watching him die. It's it's a really weird feeling. It's like the preacher dude in uh, Poltergeist 2. He was dying of like, stomach cancer or something and knew this was going to be his last movie. So, No shit. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, he died like before the movie even came out. And that's why he looks terrifying. Hmm. We should do some Poltergeist movies at some point. <laughs> all, all of them but the good one. Yeah, all but the first one? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Just do a double feature two and three. I'll tell you what, I don't hate three as much as everybody else. It's not uh, it's not like fucking fantastic or anything, but it's a pretty cool like ghost movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't hate it. I mean I can I tell I can tell there's like problems with it. But I mean the the least of the poltergeist movies is still better than a lot of shit that I've watched, so Right. I mean, it was just a rough movie because they were like, okay, here's the problem. We want to do another movie and we want to put Carol Ann in it, but we can't put the rest of the family in it. So. <laughs> that was weird. I don't know why they did that. Because they didn't want the rest of the family. They wanted to make it cheap and all those people were worth money. Yeah. And they were like, but nobody gives a fuck <laughs> about this little girl. I love that they put it in the Hancock building. But then they don't call it the Hancock Building in the movie. No, I'm just like really, you're just not even gonna say the actual name of the building. You're gonna call it something else, even though it's a very identifiable building from Chicago. All right. right, and they're like, and we want to bring back the preacher guy, but he's, he's dead, dead. So maybe if we make him a weird mirror zombie. Mm. And then she ended up dying even before they were finished with the movie. So they had to like figure out how to craft the story around all this shit they still had to film. Just terrible. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I for fucking forgot somebody died while they were making that. Yeah, she had... I don't remember. Was it an appendix thing? or Yeah. Uh, undiagnosed heart condition or something? Yeah, I forgot all about that. Now it's sad. You made it sad. <laughs> we were making fun of Poltergeist 3 and now I ruined it by making it yeah. sad. Yeah. You took my my fun bad movie and made it a sad movie. <laughs> I also think the uh, the director got booted out of the editing room too. So <laughs> that happens. That seems to happen quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we know you crafted everything, but we know better. Awful lot of hard work you put in here. Be a shame if somebody edited it. <laughs> Motherfuckers. All right. I suppose we should actually 
talk about the shit we're supposed to talk about since we're half an hour into recording. The bees! (laughs) (laughs) So Doug picked these movies, and then Doug has the audacity of not showing up to record. Because he claims a moose got wrapped up in his internet again. Son of a bitch. (sighs) I watched one of these movies for two and a half hours, Doug. (laughs) It felt like five. After sitting through three hours of a movie. <laughs> uh, so, which one do you want to do, Deadly Bees or the Swarm? Uh, I guess I'll do Deadly Bees. All right. Wow us with the movie that is the Deadly Bees, which I did not know was an Amicus movie until it started, and I, then I got somewhat excited. Uh, so Tom Servo, Crow, and Joel. <laughs> On this spaceship of love. Nice. Right. Uh, no, I, I did end up actually watching the uh, MST3K version of this movie only because I started the movie and there are two fucking like musical, pointless musical things at the beginning of the movie. And uh, that is like almost intolerable to me. I fucking hate it, hate it, hate it when they do that in movies. And I was like, <laughs> If this is what this movie's going to be, I'm going to watch the MST3K version. And then, of course, the rest of the movie ended up not being like that. <laughs> like, yeah, but I'm already here. Yeah, but so some folks go out into the country. Uh, like an actress, singer, <laughs> lady, person. I don't, I don't give a fuck what she does. They're going to move out to the country and eat a lot of peaches. Yeah. Uh, they go out, and it turns out that everybody and their fucking mom out here raises bees, apparently. <laughs> And are always in dick waving contests over who's got the better bees. <laughs> is it a dick? Is it like a beard of bees, but on on their dick? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like a dick, a dick beard bee contest. <laughs> uh, everything's going all right until the bees start killing people, and of course, everyone suspects the guy she's staying with. Uh, more people die. They arrest him. More people die. Everybody still blames the other guy. Not sh- not sure how that works, but they do. Uh, and then we f- slowly figure out that the next door neighbor, who's in his uh, bee contest with him, may have a secret. And that secret is he's breeding attack bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how they show that shit's about to go down. When you just see two hands come into frame holding one of those, like, I don't know, what are they, like, sliders? Like, they go into the hives or whatever that all the bees make their right their honey on. You just see two hands come up out of frame and they just start shaking it like an Etch-A-Sketch. Right. It's like, fly, bees, fly. Bees, fly, my bees. Go, destroy them. And basic, basically, the entire plot of this movie is revealed at the end of the movie in a weird flashback montage. <laughs> because they kind of, like, I think you kind of know that he's the bad guy through the whole movie. Yeah, but, but in they, 1968, this was like a giant shocker. People were like, oh my gosh. Twist, twist ending. Woo. <laughs> Who could have known it was the nice neighbor? Uh, but yeah, it turns out he's developed some kind of weird pheromony chemical that's like the smell of fear. He can douse people's shit in and the bees go ape shit for it. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. Lots of uh, people getting attacked by bees. The dog gets attacked by bees. That's uh, a setting. Which I was like, this is bullshit. 
As soon as the lady was attacked, I was like, ah, who gives a fuck about her? The dog's still dead. This is bullshit. Damn, they stung that dog up. Not cool. Yeah, so what's up with this, what's up with this pheromone? Like, It's like, here, sting this thing and kill yourselves. Because as we all know, most bees will sting and then that pretty much kills yeah, them. Yeah, and are they insinuating that they're Africanized bees? I think they said it without actually saying it. Because they are talking about the fact that he's like specifically breeding them to kind of behave in certain mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, but, but I'm not sure if they're if it's. I don't know if Africanized bees were a problem back in the '60s. Yeah, I have no idea. Actually, from what I remember, because I actually did some reading on killer bees, is that initially they started uh, breeding them with the English honeybee. So I wonder this was maybe referencing that that was going on in Europe before it moved over to North America. Yeah, maybe. As it, as it turns out, breeding two uh, species together for no fucking reason other than morbid curiosity uh, causes shit to go bad. <laughs> that's not just a movie trope, that's like a life trope. Don't, don't fucking do that. Well, you ever, here, you ever here, see what happens whenever they force a goat to fuck a sheep? It's weird looking. <laughs> it's fucking weird. I actually haven't. That's funny. Yeah, they're called a gleep. And they're, and they're gross. <laughs> so here we go. The Afri- Africanized honeybee was first introduced to Brazil in 1956. So this movie takes place in what? 68? Roughly? Okay. So I don't know if it started over there. Of course, now Wikipedia is not telling me anything that I could use. Uh, now they just inbred bees from Europe and Southern Africa. So they were never over in the UK, apparently. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like they even did it on purpose. They bred them on purpose thinking that they were going to be these super bees. Yeah. And instead, they turned into crazy pissed off asshole bees <laughs> yeah uh yeah we'll get into it the next movie <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah i think this one it's i mean it's a it's a fucking 60s movie i mean no oh, totally it, it has all the problems that 60s movies have the color palette's weird mm-hmm. the uh the acting is very much stage acting instead of screen acting yeah and it takes i mean the whole thing is supposed to be suspenseful but i didn't really find anything that suspenseful yeah i thought the bee attacks were pretty good Mm -hmm. i was kind of surprised at how effective they were actually they actually managed to do it because in a you know in a 50s or 60s movie whenever an insect's attacking you're almost expecting all them to show is like somebody like screaming in a corner and then a close up of a bee <laughs> and then them screaming in the corner again and then a close up of a bee yeah this one we get overlays of swarms of bees yeah it's it's, ob- <laughs> it's obvious that none of the actors actually had to deal with bees right but but they at least uh, made the effort of overlaying film films of just bees flying around over top of actors. Yeah, they made a genuine attempt. And uh, it wasn't... Did you have a pretty easy time finding this film? 
because it was not super easy for me to get my hands on. Uh, yeah, I rented it off of uh, Voodoo for like three bucks. I was gonna say I looked I looked around for it for a while and kind of got bored and then finally found it and then like I said and then I was like <sighs> stupid music and then as I was Google searching it said MST3K <laughs> and I was like oh ooh that's the one I want to watch <laughs> you're like screw you damn hey. hippie, hippie music and it was a Joel episode and I always get excited when they're Joel episodes. Not a big Mike fan. I oh, see. I was the opposite. I was never a Joel fan. Told he was a little too dry. Then I enjoyed Mike. Indeed. Which means you can't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah. say, but it, I'd say it's a recommend. It's a pretty fucking. It's a fun movie. I mean, it's not bad. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. Like we said, it's a '60s movie. It's a British '60s movie. Yeah, I mean, if you know, you know what it is. If you like those kinds of movies, this is a good one. Like, it's fine. <laughs> like I said, the reveal at the end is kind of ridiculous. Where like it's all it's all this weird flashback. He's like, oh yes, and then I I put it in the pail, but then she went over to the pail, and then the dog got in it, and then basically it's like, oh, all these people died because you're completely fucking incompetent at killing somebody. <laughs> You can't even kill people right. Son of a bitch. That's what I'm saying. You've got an army of murder bees. You gotta do is fuck some shit up. And then at the end, you know, he gets he gets fucked up because all she does is like gently push him away. She's like, no, and he's like, Oh god! I've covered myself in the beaches. <laughs> yeah, like barely tapped him and he like flails about, like, oh no! <laughs> Why? Why did I have the cap off? Ah! You'd think I would put it in a spray bottle or something. Yeah, and he also walks with a cane, so he's already he's already at a loss with these bees. <laughs> right. And they just take him over. And I love I love the fact too that the whole so the whole reason why he kills all these fucking people is because he has a slight suspicion that his neighbor's also trying to breed super bees. <laughs> it's like I can't let him discover the secret of breeding these psycho murder bees. <laughs> I better kill him with my murder bees. I'm sure no one will suspect. No one will be prepared for my army of murder bees. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he basically gets her to like spy on the guy for him. So she's like stealing like stuff out of his house. Like here's all the all the paperwork that he has and then he tells her, like, the one one big thing that would definitely help is if he had a copy of this one book. And that would, if we steal it from him, that'll definitely let me know how to make murder bees. And he's like, but I'm going to go trick him into giving it to me. You stay here in my library. Don't worry about looking at any of the books that I may have already have a copy of this book. And we'll then clue you in that I'm actually the one with the murder bees. Right. Two copies of the same book. <gasps> Murderer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, the movie's not terrible. It's just it's very sixties, very British. So. Yeah. It's I mean, it's goofy. But I think that's part of the charm of these movies. It's kind of like nineteen fifties horror movies too. You're not afraid of the giant ant. It's just 
fucking hilarious watching a giant ant destroy a town. <sighs> Until they attack the dog. And then you get pissed off. You're like, no! Oh, super. It's a little cute dog, too. Yeah. It was a bit very friendly to her, the entire, like the, our main character the entire movie. Because the deal is, she's like a pop star and she has like a nervous breakdown. So they send her to this island just to relax. It's like a friend of her manager is the guy she's staying with. So weird. Where, where are we sending you to? Bee Island. <laughs> Everyone there breeds bees. What? <laughs> I'm supposed to relax. I'm not going to fucking be island. <laughs> um, don't go outside because you may end up getting stung by many, many bees on this bee island. But you go ahead and relax. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's exactly how I have in uh, an upsettingly childlike fear of bees. I just I can't fucking help it. Like if a bee gets near me, I freak out. And I could not imagine if they told me they were like, you know, there's tons of people breeding bees on this island. I was like, I'm never going there. Never. <laughs> never ever ever. Bring me the honey, leave the bees. Fuck them bees. <laughs> Fuck them bees. Well, anything else about deadly bees before we move on to the swarm? No, I think that's it. It's not a super deep movie. <laughs> no, not really. They try to make it seem like it is, but it's not. It's like it's like less complicated than the Scooby Doo episode of, of who's doing what and why. Right. <laughs> I would have yeah. gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for me spilling the bee juice on myself. <laughs> uh, uh, so our other selection is I think it's 1975's The Swarm, starring one Michael Caine. Uh, Doug, uh, I think this was the whole reason behind this because he had bought this or something a couple years ago and hadn't watched it yet. So he's like, fuck it, we're doing B movies. And we're like, all right, fine. And then it turns out this movie is two and a half hours long and it feels like five hours. Holy, holy <laughs> fuck, this movie's long. <laughs> <laughs> the Elvis movie we watched was nearly three hours. I don't feel like that would have felt nearly as long as this movie. Because holy shit. And I don't even know why. I mean, there are long sections of them just trying to figure out what they're going to do, I guess. There, so, there are like four or five weird, completely fucking unnecessary subplots. Mm-hmm. That are just I, just, I just don't fucking, they serve no fucking purpose in this yeah. movie. And they're not bad, and they, the, the people acting in them are bad, but they serve no purpose. <laughs> Other than to make this movie longer. Yeah, so we start off at this government facility, these people show up, you know, check out what's going on, they find everybody inside dead, with no apparent cause at first, and then out of the door steps Michael Caine. They're like, what the hell's going on here? So the the next like hour and a half of this movie, I like to call bureaucracy bureaucracy the movie because it's a lot of because it's like a general arguing with Michael Caine over just about everything. Uh, he says he's like a super scientist about killer bees, and yeah, the general- what, the f- what the fuck is it? Michael Caine is like James Bond. He is the James Bond of 
bee science, <laughs> which is the worst James Bond. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's just, he's really, he's all about the bees. And uh, keeps telling this general, like, you need to call the president, uh, tell his, like, I don't know, tell him, so, like, whatever his name is. I don't even remember what his character's name is, but just tell him it's me and that everything I've been worried about has happened. And so apparently someone tells the president, and the president tells, tells whoever he was talking to, like, basically, you get this man whatever he wants, and there's no questions. So even, like, the general in the army now, like, <laughs> is under the command of Michael Caine. So... Scientist. <laughs> so he gives him a list of people he needs. Uh, he basically tells them there's giant swarms of killer bees, Africanized bees, um, and that uh, they're they're going in swarms and killing people. And apparently, their their venom is so toxic after like four bee stings, like a normal person will die. And then we find out later that. That's not even true. Only like one or two could kill you. I do kind of like the the idea of the venom like makes you real real sick and you can die. But if you don't die, you act like you recover and then you die. Yeah. It's like you get better and then Oh wait, nope, you're dead now. <laughs> of the way, just before you die, you have some kind of shared mass bee hallucination? <laughs> yeah, everybody always sees a giant bee sort of like hovering above their bed. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so basically, he gives them a list of people he needs. They bring them there, and they're trying to work on an antidote. Meanwhile, these bees, <laughs> this swarm, is like selectively picking people off in this nearby town. It was like a family out to like a picnic and they're like, oh, fuck your picnic. <laughs> and so they swarm over the mom and dad and the kid runs and jumps in the car and then drives into town all crazy. And uh, so hey, then they take him to the facility. Also, that scene's pretty like, not, not exactly like graphic, mm. but like brutal in a weird way. Like, it's yeah. like, that child watches his parents die. You know, <laughs> like... Yeah, because he runs and like locks himself in the car and just sits in the car and watches his parents get swarmed by bees. And they basically do the beard the bee beard thing where they just are covered in bees. Which is pretty that that part was pretty awesome. I will say when the when the bee swarms were actually attacking, they, they, they looked pretty good. I love the uh the effect of um when the bees are swarming out of the hollow log or whatever. And it's clearly they've got like uh, an insulation blower or something with, yeah. with some kind of particulate in it that looks bee-like, <laughs> but it's just pouring billions of these things out. And it's a good special effect for the time. Like you're like, oh my god, that really does look like a bajillion bees swarming out of this thing. But at the same time, it totally looks like. A, a snowblower shooting like bee-shaped <laughs> And it's like, there's no way all these bees would have fit in this one hollow log. You're right. Just Unless there's like Goonies-esque tr like uh, tunnels like underneath the log for some reason. 
That's what I'm saying. It's some kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons as the log of infinite bees. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know. They start trying to combat these bees. The bees will come into town and then break a bunch of shit, fuck some shit up, and then they'll go and hide again. So then they have to go back to the base. I'm like, well, we need to figure out what we're, what we're going to do about all these. And so then it basically comes down to Michael Caine having ideas of how to kill the bees without ruining the ecosystem. Um, and then the general is just like, nah. Trying to kill everything. Yeah, let's just fuck everything up. We'll just nuke everything. And so Michael Caine goes on to this explanation of how bees pollinate crops. And if you do this, you're killing like $6 billion worth of people's like uh, income and the natural the natural ecosystem and the economy and like all this stuff and the general's just like eh fuck it that's that's what i want to do uh so they come up with these like pellets that are supposed to attract the bees and then it will kill them but it will leave the rest of the wildlife alone but of course that doesn't work so then the general takes over and he gets to do what he wants to do but that, of course, doesn't fucking work. And then they figure out some uh, sonic sound helps attract, will attract the bees out to the gulf, at which point they will just set the entire gulf on fire. <laughs> the scene, the scene of them unleashing like 10,000 military grade rockets and a swarm of bees. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not meant to be humorous, but it's just one of the most ridiculous fucking they shoot like 20 or 30 missiles like fucking bees <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous uh, so the thing I find interesting is so they he sort of breaks down that these are Africanized bees and they call them the African honeybee but then they spend they, they try to like save time apparently just driving through town letting people know like Oh shit! There's a bee swarm coming. Everybody needs to get inside and lock their doors and cover up any like ventilation vents and stuff like that. But rather than saying the bees are coming, they just, they just drive through town saying the Africans are coming. The Africans are coming. <laughs> and I'm just like, that seems weird to just yell that out when people may not even know there's an African bee problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this movie was so fucking long. Yeah, I, I mean it does it does so many things so well, mm. and but then it just like the weird subplots, the whole weird love thing between the two old people in town. What the fuck? Like what in the fuck? <laughs> I believe you mean the three old people in town. Well, you know, you know what I mean, though. Like, there's, there's a whole fucking love triangle, love story thing going on in the town that's got nothing to fucking do with killer fucking bees. <laughs> the movie's about killer fucking bees. Uh, yeah, two old guys fighting over, <laughs> fighting over the love of the old school teacher, right? Who says she can't because she's married to the school. Oh, speaking of which, let's let's talk about that because I think that maybe that whole love story was in there just as an excuse to give that scene. Of so, of course, they're they're telling everybody, "Hey, there's a giant fucking swarm of murder bees coming. Go inside." 
And so 75% of the town are like, let's go out and stand in the streets and watch the bees come. <laughs> but, man, they're in the school and she looks out the window and there's got to be 20 dead kids. Just 20 dead kids strewn across a playground. And you're like, holy shit, that's dark. Yeah. It's real. Kids. Yeah, they do the same thing like with the deadly bees where they just overlay some some bees flying by. Then you see these kids out there just like flailing around. You're just like, wow, those kids are getting fucked up right now. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's the timing of this movie. Because this movie falls somewhere between like the 1970s like nihilist sci-fi movies that were coming out in like a 1960s nature attacks movie. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's that seems to be where it falls. And even visually, that's the way it falls. Because it's got so many things that look like an older movie and so many things that look like that newer aged 70s thing that was happening, you know, as films were starting to look more modern. Yeah. Uh, I liked I liked some of the subplots that weren't superfluous, like the guy who was attempting to find a cure for the bee venom, and, you know, finally it comes down to the wire, and everybody's volunteering to test it, and they leave the room, and he's like, nope, testing it on myself. Beak! <laughs> of course. Yep. And of course it doesn't work, and he dies horribly in pain, and while while dictating the exact details of his own death so that they would have records for science. Which is a pretty, that's a good scene. Yeah, I like that stuff. Uh, this film was uh, nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Did you know that? No. Yeah. For what? For costuming, of all things. In which, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I mean, for the most part, other than people who are just dressed like normal people or dressed like generic military people, the only other costumes you have are the weird, like, hazmat dudes that are running around in brightly colored, like, primary colored suits for some reason. There's, like, the red suit guys and the blue suit guys and the yellow suit guys. <laughs> that, uh, that determines what, uh, what military branch they're with. Right. And in typical disaster movie fashion, everybody keeps getting war doesn't listen to the warning and immediately shit goes south. <laughs> yeah. They go to like the nuclear power plant and they're like, shut the reactor down. There's a giant swarm of super bees coming. We're all fucked. And they're like, listen, this is built to withstand radiation. There ain't no way the bees are going to fly through the giant open hole in the ceiling. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And then they're immediately swarmed by bees and everyone dies. And I'm assuming that reactor melts down. Yeah, it's like, motherfuckers, we told you. I also like the part where, so the the bees completely fucking swarm this city, and they're just everywhere. Like, millions upon millions, and I don't know if they're inferring that these bees are, like, just breeding at a crazy rate or something, because every time it shows the bees, there's way more bees. Yeah. But they it turns, into, it turns into like three giant swarms that then form like a super swarm by the end. The end of the yeah, movie. but they send so imagine audience an entire city blanketed in killer bees, <laughs> like a like a dense bee fog. 
Mm-hmm. And the general's grand idea is to send six guys, oh, yeah. flamethrowers out, to burn the entire city and all of the bees to the ground. Like, how the fuck is that going to work? <laughs> like, it doesn't, fire doesn't work that way. <laughs> like, like, sure, you could burn all the bees. Like, that, I don't think that's a terrible idea. They probably could have drove over the city and just dropped a bunch of fucking, like, napalm on it and burned all those bees. But six guys with flamethrowers, that shit ain't going to cut it, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the point where they've reached Houston. And so apparently they have evacuated Houston. And they're like, all right, let's get the flamethrowers out. We're just gonna we're just gonna burn the entire city of Houston to the ground. Right. And I'm pretty sure all they accomplish is they burn like six cars and one building. <laughs> and then, and then they're, they're like, like oh, no, oh god, the bees, there's too many bees. And it's like, yeah, it's a whole city. It's a whole city of bees. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're so stupid. And while your flamethrowers are super dope. <laughs> You ain't taking out a city's worth of bees with them. No. And they're not just like burning like, oh, we're just going to set the bottom of this building on fire. It's like they're going into buildings and like looking at each room and like, well, bees in here. Fuck it, burn this room. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Just fucking, there's just fucking bees everywhere. It's just bees. Like, like I said, this is Houston. Yeah. Like, that's not going to work. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. It does a good job of straddling a natural disaster movie versus a nature attacks movie. Because I'm not usually a big natural disaster fan. I do like animal attack movies and nature attack movies, but usually not not disaster movies. They just. They tend to do what this movie does, and it's way too much people sitting in a room talking about, oh my god, what are we going to do? There's got, a lot of that. I've yeah. got an idea. Let's let's drop ping pong balls on them. And it's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> They're not going to like spend 15 minutes of this movie dropping ping pong balls. Oh, yeah. Yep, they are. Yeah, they are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's my big problem with this movie, is there's lots of sitting around talking about what they're going to do, and then arguing about what they're going to do. Then every like forty five minutes there'd be like a giant bee attack, which is the good part. Right. And then back to arguing about what they're gonna do. And I was like, God damn it. I just love I love the fact that the general's initial idea is to like basically drop a giant insecticide bomb over the entire area. <laughs> and that the scientists have to stop to explain to him and be like, Okay, listen. <laughs> So you can't do that. You're going to infect everybody's drinking water. You're going to yeah, kill yeah. people. That you're going to poison everything, and you're going to kill off all of the insects needed to like pollinate crops, and literally everyone will die. You're going to literally kill everybody. And he's like, "Yeah, but we got to stop those bees." And it's like, "Yeah, well, we are, but you're going to kill everyone, <laughs> every single person." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, come on, got to kill those bees. And do they ever do a good job of explaining where the fuck Michael Caine's character comes from at the beginning of the movie? No. He's just, like, in a closet in a military base. (laughs) And they're like, is that your car out front? And he's like, yeah. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, that explains it. 
I'm just saying, and he knows he knows that there's a bee attack before anybody knows that there was a bee attack. <laughs> yeah, he says he's been telling people like forever and they never listened to him. I just, like I said, I just don't know. It feels like a weird lurky thing. Like yeah. he was a little too on the ball. It's like, yeah, suddenly you're here, then suddenly there's a bee attack. Come on. I was saying that he was the James Bond of bee scientists. But maybe he's the James Bond villain with bee scientists. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps he has bred an army of super bees. <laughs> from his uncle that lived on that bee island over in England. <laughs> right. He bought him. He bought him for bee island. <laughs> but I would say I, mean, I would say other than the corny bits, like of course Michael Caine's acting's really good because he's fucking Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one point where he's like screaming at somebody because because I think it's the general like wants to do something and he's explaining in screams like what that would do to the local insect population. Yeah, he's and so I'm just like and I'm just like, so holy bad. shit. Yeah, like, and he's like light years ahead of everyone else in the movie. Mm-hmm. Which which makes it a little weird. It's always weird whenever one person is just that much better of an actor than everybody else. <laughs> The director on set should have been like, see, that's what you should all be doing. <laughs> yeah. Now, everybody, sc- scream. Everyone scream at each other. <laughs> you, weird, weird little sweaty boy who's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> After you watched your parents get <laughs> annihilated by bees. I do like the fact that one of the towns died because that kid like goes for bee revenge with his friends. Oh, that's right. We, for- yeah. oh, we forgot to bring that up. Yeah, they, they make Molotov cocktails, and he lies about knowing where the bee's nest was, goes back, they throw, like, three Molotov cocktails at it, in which, once again, not enough fire. <laughs> A lot of bees. You need more fire. More fire to kill than bees. Yeah, then they have to hide in trash cans turned upside down. Right. And uh, the bees attack that town and kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Including most of their friends. It's like, you motherfucker, if you didn't need your bee revenge, you everybody would have been fine. <laughs> damn, damn you and your bee vengeance. <laughs> uh, Once I finish my war against the humans, I will begin my war against the bees. <laughs> uh, so we're pretty close in age. Do you remember growing up with the killer bee hysteria in the 80s? I do remember everybody always fucking... T- and it was like uh, one of those things where they were like, eventually they're going to be here. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> It's just a matter of time before these killer bees are here. And the last time I remember hearing about it is they were saying there were killer bees in Texas or mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. And that was the end of the discussion. <laughs> like, Pretty much. I think it's... Did everybody figure out that killer bees aren't quite as dangerous as we make killer bees out to be. Um, so that's kind of what I thought too. Now there is some truth to it. Because I got curious, so I started looking up went to went to everybody's favorite Wikipedia and looked up uh, killer bees. To which they're categorized under Africanized bees. Um, so I found some interesting stuff. What I did find is um, so originally they were produced originally by crossbreeding the African honeybee with various European honeybees, such as the Italian bee and the <laughs> Iberian bee. Hey, I'm making that. <laughs> uh, supposedly, the reason they did this is because 
the Africanized bee produces way more honey throughout the year because they work harder. Yeah, but it tastes like shit, right? Isn't that the whole thing? Uh, that I have no idea. Yeah, I was I thinking. Mean, I was thinking that was something that I read that Africanized bees produce way more honey, but it's not as delicious. And so the idea was to make delicious crazy bees. <laughs> I mean, that's possible. Um, so then what happened is, in typical uh, Stephen King's The Stand form, uh, they were first introduced to Brazil in 1956 in an effort to increase honey production, but 26 swarms, 26 swarms, think about that, Escaped quarantine in 1957. <laughs> <laughs> that took so, a long time. So they had a whole year, and they're like, oh, shit, 26 giant swarms just escaped. Exactly. Uh, here's, here's a good question. How do you quarantine a flying <laughs> insect that has to be out in the open to get the flowers to make honey? <laughs> no idea. I mean, was there literally, was there quarantine literally 13 Brazilian farmers standing in a big circle <laughs> around the farm like, hey, you bees, you go back. <laughs> like using a rake to like You're swipe right, at, them. at him. You go back. Ah! Oh God, they're aggressive. <laughs> uh, so since 1957, the species has spread throughout South America and then arrived in North America in 1985. Hives were found in South Texas in 1990. Now, I was like, well, this is obviously a lot of hysterica. A lot of hysteria for no reason. Um, because, like you said, we heard all about this, and then it just seemed to go away with no real conclusion to anything. So I was like, well, they must not be that. Uh, the big thing is they're much more defensive than any other species of bee, and apparently they will chase a person of a quarter of a mile just because they're so pissed off. Angry. They are angry-ass bees. And apparently they have killed over a thousand humans. So at least a thousand people have died because of killer bees. So they have earned in that bees. sense, In that sense, 56? Yes. Okay. And they have received ten times more stings than from just regular European honeybees. And apparently they've also killed horses and other such livestock. So if they get super pissed, apparently, they go to town. Yeah, but I mean, but still, if you do the math, a thousand people over, what, 60 years? Yeah. A thousand people over 60 years, that's not more deadly than, like, deer. I think deer have killed more people than these bees. All right, so here here is your question about how you quarantine bees. So apparently they kept them in hives, as you do. And uh, so they were housed in an apiary near Rio Carlo, San Paulo, in southeast Brazil. They were noted to be especially defensive. These hives have been fitted with a special excluder screens called queen excluders, to prevent the larger queen bees and drones from getting out and mating with the local population of European bees. So basically, they kept the queen and the drones locked in the hives, and that way they couldn't um, go... They couldn't, they couldn't get that sweet bee sex. Yeah. 
Yeah. And thus, you know, expanding their hive and stuff. And then uh, apparently in October of 57, a visiting beekeeper no- noticing that the queen excluders were interfering with the worker bees' movements removed them, resulting in the accidental release of 26 swarms. Uh, and they spread out and crossbred with local European colonies. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> essentially, all of this problem was caused by one stupid fucking dude <laughs> who wasn't even supposed to be there. Who wasn't even supposed to be there. Mm. I have a feeling that guy lost his job. Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> He's probably in some prison. He's in some Brazilian prison getting his ball shocked with cattle prod. <laughs> Uh, so of course they spread really rapidly and because of their movement through these regions was rapid and largely unassisted by humans Africanized bees have earned the reputation of being a notorious invasive species uh, the prospect of killer bees arriving in the United States caused immediate sensation in the late 70s inspired several horror movies and sparked debate about the capability of humans to alter entire ecosystems so then they were first discovered in the US 85 in an oil field the San Juan Valley of California. Bee experts theorized that the colony had not traveled over land, but instead arrived in the hidden in a load of oil drilling pipe pipes shipped from South America. Hmm. Uh, the first permanent colonies arrived in Texas from Mexico in 90. In the Tucson region of Arizona, a study of trap swarms in 94 found that only 15% had been Africanized. This number has grown to 90% by 1997. Oh, shit. So, apparently they're there, and they're still there, but the it looks like the uh, they cannot survive in climates that have any sort of uh, cold winters. So that's, that's why, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's why they're sort of... <laughs> that's why they're uh, sort of stuck in these southern states. Um, and from what I've read, they attribute about two or three deaths, human deaths to killer bees like every year. So nothing, uh, nothing really that crazy for, for the media frenzy that was going on in the seventies. Right. That just doesn't three deaths a year. Just ain't that bad. Yeah. I'm sure it's bad for the people who died, but three deaths a year for an animal. I mean, how many fucking like bear attacks are there in a year? Exactly. So they're not quite, quite the killers that this movie would have had led us to believe. But apparently, they have earned their name by they do in fact can kill people. It does. It does suck that they haven't blown up Houston with a bunch of fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were gone building to building and just like, well, bees in here, burn it. I'm just saying, not not to insult anybody, but Texas sucks. <laughs> Texas is the worst. Not as bad as Alabama. <laughs> Ouch, Alan, if you're listening, he directed that at you. I'm not directing it at anybody. <laughs> Alabama is just a shitty place. It's, it's shitty. It's a shitty place. Yes, I know, Birmingham's nice. The rest of the state's shitty. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more
more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. No feedback this week, but let's find out what else we watched. What did you watch since last episode, Noah? Uh, I actually watched a few things this time. Uh, I started watching a new show on Prime that I hadn't started watching yet, and that's uh, Patriot. Which is a show about um, a CIA agent in the, I do believe it's supposed to be the early 2000s, attempting to stop Iran from becoming a nuclear state. And it's this really, it's kind of like a dark comedy, and it's, the acting's really good, and it's, it would be hilarious if it wasn't for the fact that it's probably depressingly more accurate than you probably want it to be in which basically a broken a guy who's kind of broken he was on a bad he was on a mission and he was given bad intelligence and basically ended up assassinating the wrong person he just killed some random hotel worker who never did anything wrong and it fucked him all up in the head and he's been living in Amsterdam just smoking pot constantly for a few months to try to like chill out and they bring him back in and implant him into this company that does pipe work of some kind. <laughs> because apparently they do business both in Luxembourg and in Iran, which is the two places he needs to go to undercover to give various people money in an attempt to buy off the election in Iran to keep their guy from winning that they don't want to win. And essentially everything always goes fucking wrong. (laughs) Like, it just goes tits up. They bring, like, $10 million in euros, and they do the handoff, and he comes back, and he thinks the mission's over after all this bullshit where he has to, like, stab a guy to death. And and it turns out that uh, the CIA, once again, got bad intelligence, and the person he gave the money to is going to give it to the guy that they don't want to win. And it's the money that he needs to actually jumpstart their nuclear program and basically make Iran a nuclear state. So then he has to stay undercover in this company and he's dealing with like normal work stress along with uh, the stress of all the terrible things he has to do to like do his job. He... Something about they gave him the wrong address for the first interview, so he showed up late, and he was unprepared. And so his interview went badly, and the other guy was going to get it. And so as they're standing on the curb, he pushes the other guy in front of a bus. It doesn't kill him, but the guy's basically got like permanent brain damage, and he's like real fucked up. And they bring him back to work with him. <laughs> and so every day, he's got to sit around watching this guy who he fucking his handicapped for life (laughs) but it's a good it's a good show it's real you gotta have a fucked up sense of humor to enjoy it but it's really good have you ever seen the tv show barry i have not uh so it's a bill Hader show and he plays a former military uh sharpshooter who now out out of the military is a hitman and uh he has to kill somebody 
in LA, so he follows him to his acting class. Oh no, you know what? I have seen. I've seen like the first two episodes. Yeah. So it just from what your description was, like it seems like that would be a show that you would definitely like. Yeah, and it's funny because th- this show's more similar to that than you think. Because so he also is super into music. Mm-hmm. So he's become a folk singer, and he like goes to these open mic nights and stuff and does folk songs. <laughs> but part of this, the what's going on with his like mental distress, is he started doing this thing where he almost ad libs his songs, and while he's ad libbing them, he is giving direct state secrets. He is describing in detail some of the things he's doing about like murdering people and paying off governments. <laughs> nice. And there's this whole weird thing where lots and lots of people know about the fact that he's doing it and none of them seem to like care that he's just divulging secrets all the time. <laughs> it's okay. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, so it's on Amazon prime. Check it out. It's, it's fun. Hmm. Uh, then I watched uh, Bernie. You ever watched Bernie? Uh, the Jack Black movie? The Jack Black movie. I have not, but it's been on my Netflix is, queue forever. Yeah, it is the... the it's like a semi-fictionalized version of a, of a true story about a guy who murdered an old lady. And the town reaction is really weird. Because basically everybody likes him so much, they're all like, he shouldn't go to jail. She was a terrible old bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't is it his mom that he killed? No, it's it's just some random old lady in the town who he befriends, and they do. I think they do a good job of being fair and kind of trying to show it from all the different perspectives, hmm. because. What Bernie claims is that, you know, he befriended this woman and at first they were, you know, just good inseparable friends and that slowly over time she became more and more and more possessive over his time and basically she like made him quit his job and, you know, paid him to work for her and, but she, she got to the point where she was stressing him out so much that he just kind of, just one day he flips out and he shoots her in the back, like... (laughs) They threw her in a freezer. And then the, of course, the other perspective is that, uh, you know, he was this money grubbing dude who was just, you know, after her money and all this kind of stuff. But I don't know. It's it's weird. You kind of have to, like, decide for yourself because there are a lot of details about it that are weird. So after after she dies, he's spending her money. But he's not spending her money on himself. He, like, buys a bunch of stuff for the town. He, like, fixes up the church and he, you know, (laughs) opens up a new, like, rec center for the kids. And, like, he's doing all this. And he's still living in a shitty little apartment and not, you know what I mean? It's just a really... And... You think it's a joke because it's it's done in like a almost like a mockumentary style where they're constantly showing interviews with these people. And at the very end of the movie, you kind of find out that not all of the people they're interviewing are actors, that some of those are real people from the town. <laughs> and it shows and then it shows some of the people who 
have been actors the whole time, but the real person that that person's based off of mm-hmm. doing these interviews and in, in like the joke is, you know, them going, you know, well, you know, she was terrible and Bernie's just the nicest, sweetest dude on the planet and all this kind of stuff. And then you see him and that's literally what they're all doing. They're like, no, Bernie is the nicest, <laughs> most wonderful guy on the planet. And she was a terrible old crone and everyone hated her. And it's like, yeah, but he, he shot her in the back. Like, <laughs> like, It doesn't matter that everyone didn't like her. You don't just get to murder someone because everyone doesn't like them. <laughs> Yeah, it's been on my list for a while. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's it's a little uh, un part. It kind of, it's a little boring at parts. I mean, it's funny, but it's just I don't, I don't know. It's just a really weird. The format of it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey plays the district attorney, and he's fucking hilarious. Because <laughs> they're talking through the whole show, they're talking about how he's just a self-aggrandizing asshole. And like he really plays that off, you know. He's the the district attorney that wears the big cowboy hat, and <laughs> he's always like, "I'm gonna get that criminal. Elect me again. I'm gonna get that criminal." <laughs> nice. I like Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I really like it when he's being funny. He's got great comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched that, and then uh, off the recommendation of a bunch of people who were insisting, I watched Tower. Oh, yeah. Which is the uh, a weird... I don't know, what the fuck would you call it? Pseudo-documentary? I mean, because it's... I think calling it a documentary is weird. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but I mean, I'm aware of it, and I've thought it's... about watching it before, but I haven't. It's like a blend of archive footage and animation, and uh, I don't really understand it. I think part of it is they're real interviews, but they're being acted by people mm-hmm. or something. Like, I, it's it's hard to explain. Like, toward the end of the movie, of course, you get to see all these people as old people now. But it's about the, uh, the shooting at, uh, what the hell's the name of the college? The Kent State. Kent State, yeah, the the sniper who got up on top of the the tower and mm. shot a bunch of people, killed a bunch of people. Um, it, the interesting, <laughs> so so the funny thing is this this one gets something right that a lot of these don't get right, and that's that it focuses on the victims instead of on the guy who killed everybody. Yeah, the problem with that being. This is probably one of the few fucking instances where the whole what he did and who he was and what happened before he did it is actually kind of like germane to the fucking story <laughs> in in you know everything that happened because he's not he's <laughs> he, he's a terrible murderer and he hurt a lot of people he was also a really fucking sick person who needed help mm-hmm. and and wasn't helped. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and shit went south and a lot of fucking people died. And I also don't like the fact that in the documentary, they kind of... you They mention some of the consequences in passing, but they ignore the fact that there were all these people reporting 
on that shooting. And what nobody seemed to fucking get is that the shooter had a transistor fucking radio up there and was listening to everything these fucking reporters were saying. And so the reporters were literally telling him where fucking people were at. You know, they were saying, oh, we got a big group of us on the west side of the building, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck. Or, you know, there's people trying to sneak out and grab the bodies now on the east side, and then, bam, shoot, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. I feel like they completely, they let these reporters off the fucking hook. And yeah. and I get that sometimes this stuff has to be reported, but you don't have to fucking give a play-by-play -play of <laughs> murders as they're being murdered. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's fucked up. Like, it's real fucked up. Yeah, it seems like a good example of how how that ruins everything. Yeah, yeah. Did you, do you know anything about the shooter in that in that uh, event? No. Okay. So I oh, fuck. What's his name? I can't remember what his name is, but so he's an ex-military guy who, on multiple occasions, went to hospitals and psychiatrists and said, "I'm having these violent fantasies that I can't fucking control." And they, you know what I mean? And he's like, "They're like popping up in my brain, and I don't want them there. And it's weird. And it's getting worse. I need help, right?" Mm -hmm. And and because it was, <laughs> you know, back then they were like, "Yeah, that's mental health. Go fuck yourself." You know what I mean? Pretty much. <laughs> Suck it up and get over it. Yeah. In one point, I, I do believe they actually released one of his therapy sessions, and he even said, I'm having fantasies about climbing up a tower and shooting people. And once again, nobody yeah. fucking did anything. Here's what I'm going to do. Please stop me from doing it. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's, and that's what he's doing. He's Because he, like, they have transcripts of this stuff, of him saying, like, I don't know why I'm thinking of this stuff. I'm not that type of person, but I keep thinking about it and I can't stop. And so, um, obviously he dies. You know what I mean? They, a couple cops made it up the tower and, and they killed him and saved everybody. And that, you know, that's all perfectly fine. The guy was a, you know, on a rampage, you gotta fucking do what you gotta do. But when they did his autopsy, he had a massive fucking brain tumor which was probably like pushing on part of his brain and fucking him up. You know what I mean? He was a, he was literally losing all of his impulse control and getting violent urges and all that. And they could have, the, the whole thing was completely fucking preventable. Yeah. And it wasn't. And, it, and a ton of people fucking died. It's a, the, the whole thing's a joke. Like, yeah, that's know. horrible. Yeah, it's, it's really upsetting. The whole everything about it. The lots of people died, and then there's and then there's not even a good bad guy because like who the fuck is the bad guy? The guy with the fucking brain tumor that like asked a thousand times for somebody to help him. You know, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, that's depressing. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it's real fucked up. But I kind of the fact that I don't. It's it's really weird because, like I said, with the animation and stuff. I get, I get what they're going for, because I think that if you just had people acting out this shooting, it might be, like, a bit too traumatic for people. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't know. Something about the cartoonish nature of the, the animation versus the horror of what, you know, occurred. I don't, I don't know. It's weird. I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was really, really depressing. Yeah. Uh, very first... Uh, movie I ever worked on when I was like 18 mm -hmm. 
was a uh, movie by a filmmaker who grew up around here, so he came back to shoot his movie in Havana, Illinois. Yeah. And it's about a guy who's perfectly normal and then gets upset and climbs a water tower and starts picking people off. Mm. And then uh, flashback throughout the movie of kind of what all led up to him snapping. Yeah. Well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, won a couple of awards. I was like, yay! <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I had very little to actually do with it, but I'm super excited. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, and then, because uh, that was that was fucking depressing. <laughs> yeah. I watched Baywatch. <laughs> the the rock movie the rock one okay i thought maybe you just flipped on a, an episode no it was, just, it was just uh it was on free streaming and i was like okay well i haven't watched it it's i don't know it's funny i guess i don't it, it has almost zero to do with the fucking tv series yeah which i i kind of get that because i mean how the fuck would you make Baywatch into a fucking movie yeah. I did like that. It, I mean, they kind of did the same thing they did with like Twenty One Jump Street, where they just kind of made fun of the whole concept. Because I did like how Zach Efron the entire time is like, "Why are we not going to the police?" Yeah, and then you find out there's actually a good reason why. Well, and it's funny that it's almost like, uh, and this is going to sound silly coming from me because of the type of person I am, but there's like the, the whole movie's dick jokes. Yeah. Like, I get it. Dick jokes are funny. You can't make an entire movie out of dick jokes. <laughs> you just can't. Like, it's not possible. To, they they cease being funny at a certain point. Like, <laughs> oh, but come on. Zach Efron having to lift up that dude's dick and look underneath for something See, in the morning? Like, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I in the same scene, whenever they're in the uh, the meat locker and uh, the dead bodies dripping the fat juice on Zach Efron's face, <laughs> and he's like freaking out. That's pretty funny. Although the part where it drips in his mouth, I almost threw up. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The movie's not as funny as I wanted it to be because I really enjoyed Twenty One Jump Street. I thought that was pretty hilarious and fantastic. But uh, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I almost wish the movie had more of uh, less and less Zac Efron and more nipple fro guy. Yeah, because the the like doofy character is the one who you're actually kind of rooting for through the whole movie. You're like, yeah, that guy. Like that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and I'm trying to think. Did I watch anything else? I think that's it. Mm. Well, I watched a couple movies. Uh, the first one was Cooties. All right. That's, uh, that's, been, that's been on my list since it came out. Uh, you should definitely watch it. I really enjoyed it. Um, Amanda, because uh, they had it on sale on Vudu for like, know, like $3 or something, so I just bought it because I'd been wanting to see it. And so Amanda saw it, and she's like, what's that movie? We watched a, a trailer, and basically the movie is... This guy's, uh, I don't remember, is he a new teacher or is he substitute teaching? Either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, but it's Elijah Wood's first day at work at the school. And there's this weird outbreak that stems from chicken nuggets. <laughs> there's like one horribly 
spoiled something genetically wrong with it chicken nugget and of course this girl eats it and essentially turns into a zombie and then spreads it to ever all the other kids in school okay the the fucked up thing is the entire opening credits of the movie is showing you how chicken nuggets are made oh. and it has this one tarnished chicken nugget in the whole bunch and amanda almost vomited and she said she's never eating chicken nuggets ever again <laughs> Uh, it was pretty gross. Um, so of course, then the teachers all have to figure out, like, what the fuck's going on? How can we stop them? All this stuff. And so there's Elijah Wood, who's like the new teacher. Um, Allison Pill, who was from uh, the newsroom. If you ever got a chance to watch that, she of course is the girl that he was in love with in high school, but never told. And of course, now they're teachers together. And then uh, fucking Rain Wilson is the, like, I have a giant truck, I don't give a fuck, like, gym teacher. Yes. And it's all a pretty good combination. And so, essentially, it becomes they're all trapped in the school, and they don't want to go outside because the kids are on the playground, of course. And then uh, the kids come back into the school, and it basically just turns into, like, apocalyptic times inside the school during during this one day because of the zombie cooties outbreak um yeah it's it's pretty fantastic i would definitely give it a watch we had a great time with it and it pretty much just makes fun of the entire zombie genre but then it's all kids so it's all these teachers just fucking up zombie kids which makes it even better (laughs) uh there's like a scene where Rain Wilson's out out on the playground when when he sort of realizes all the shit's going down. So he just takes off, like, running back to get back into the school, and he's just, like, clotheslining children and, like, kicking them <laughs> in the face. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. He has one of those awesome mustaches that's, like, it's like he doesn't have the goatee, but the, the mustache then just goes into, like, the, the sideburns almost. So, yeah, he's... Rain Wilson's, like... <laughs> The MVP of the movie because it's fucking hilarious. He gets, I just, he gets Elijah Elijah Wood. Do you mm-hmm. think what what's going on with his career is a conscious choice on his part? Uh, I would because this movie was made by the production company that he purposely set up to make horror movies called Spectrovision. He's so just, he's so fascinating because he went from being like typecast as you know the the like mm-hmm. the cute guy or whatever. And, you know, he's done he's done big movies. You know, he was fucking Frodo. We all know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he's making all of these under-the-radar, like, s- straight-to-streaming movies that are really <laughs> fucking good and weird and, like, yeah, just weird. Like, they're weird. Straight-up weird is the only way to describe <laughs> them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know if they're all just pet projects of his, or if he decided to do that, or if he started doing it, and now, like, that's just kind of what he's trapped in or something. <laughs> no, yeah, like, because uh, this came out in 2015, I want to say, or 2014. And I think this is one of the very first movies they put out with his new production company that he purposely set up just to release horror movies, yeah, to so create horror movies. Because he did that one, he did, uh, what's what's the first person one, Maniac? Maniac. He did one called Open Windows. 
Yeah. It's about like internet stuff. And then he's he's doing those weird like uh I I don't what is it? I don't feel right on this world anymore. Or oh something. yeah. I don't feel at home in this fucking world anymore or whatever. Yeah, in, in which he's playing like a rat tailed nunchuck wielding <laughs> doofus, you know what I mean? <laughs> Who thinks he's a badass? <laughs> Did you uh, did you see the greasy strangler? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah his, <laughs> I still haven't watched it because I'm almost scared to watch it. But he uh, his company picked that movie up. Like, like they're like, yeah, this is the kind of movie we want to put out. So yeah, I I would uh, I would give Greasy Strangler a once over. Yeah, it's it's bizarrely quotable. <laughs> nice there's this there's a scene where i don't I, i'm trying to remember why they're doing it but they're like calling each other out on bullshit but they just keep like listing on he's like it's your bullshit he's like no you're bullshit bullshit horseshit penguin shit hmm <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just looked up a, a picture. Okay, I was wrong. Rain Wilson, he doesn't have like a handlebar. He, I mean, he has like a, a Hulk Hogan handlebar mustache, not a, uh, uh, not one that connects to his sideburns, but it's still pretty awesome. At one point, he, he picks up like one of those uh, pitching machines that like pitches the baseballs and stuff, but it's like a hand-mounted one, so he can just like carry it around. He starts shooting children with baseballs right to the face. <laughs> yeah, so. Cooties is a definite recommend if uh, you out there haven't seen it yet. I really enjoyed it and thought it was pretty hilarious. So, um, Let's see. Today I watched a movie called Blind Date that I just blind bought. Uh, no pun intended. And it's like a 1984 movie, The Curse of the Alley. Uh, not as the lead, but she's in it. Um, so this guy discovers that his ex-girlfriend who they were out one night when they were younger and they both got beaten up and she got raped uh apparently her parents committed her to a mental institution and then refused to let him see her anymore so apparently he finds her at some model shoot of some sort and so then he becomes obsessed with her and kind of like stalking her just to like, well, how do I reconnect with her or whatever? Um, she's dating somebody else. And then he, while he is spying on him, that guy sees him. And so he chases him. So he runs and then runs into like the branch of a tree and knocks himself out and apparently hit himself so hard that he, he is blinded and the doctors could not figure out how or why. Um, <laughs> So his friend who is working on some sort of, I don't know, computer, something or another, 1980s for computer thingamajig. He hacks his retinas. Uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, so he shows like that example that if you send sound waves through like your bones or whatever, that you can still hear it even if, like, there's no actual sound coming out. And he's like, well, we could do that by sending it directly to your nervous system. There's no reason we shouldn't be able to do that with your visual senses either. 
And so he gets this weird. Yeah, no. <laughs> he gets this weird uh, thing implanted. Uh, and since it's brand new and not released to the public yet, it's disguised as a Walkman, of course. Uh, and so it sends out like sound, basically like a sonar thing, and it comes back to him, and the computer uh, sort of reads that as. So, so he's got Daredevil powers through a Walkman? Is that what you're telling me? Sort of, yeah. Uh, the visuals are just like everything's just like a white outline. <laughs> so black background, just white outlines that like signify everything. It's like they found some new filter in the 80s and was like, look, we can just do outlines of the stuff we shot on film. It'll be great. Um, and so I don't know. This is weird. <laughs> this is a weird explanation because. While all this is going on, uh, there's somebody driving a taxi cab around town that is, like, picking up women, taking them home, and then will come back and then murder them in their apartment. Okay. And the guy that drives that, who we, the face we don't see, also wears a Walkman all the time when he's doing his killings. I don't really know why. That's never explained. Whatever. Um... So he then uh, figures that this guy is going to be coming after his ex-girlfriend because he saw a taxi cab through these weird roundabout way of, and I'm not joking, hooking a ColecoVision up to his Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> and so it projects the game into his brain, which then overloads his brain that unlocks subliminal memories that he's blocked. What the fuck? Yes. That is the correct. That is the correct thing. Um, and realizes she may be next, so he starts like, like sort of semi stalking her again because he's afraid that she's going to be his next victim. Uh, <laughs> it's very. It's a very weird movie. I would say it's not super great either. There's some. It uh, sounds like a really long movie to justify stalking. Yeah. Maybe. Um, it's very much set up like a slasher movie, but it's not nearly as slashery as I wanted it to be. The guy in the taxi doesn't kill very many people, and when he does kill people, they don't really show enough of it to be like, ooh, like he's killing somebody. Uh, there is lots of boobs in this movie, though, so there's that. Um, you get to see Kirstie Alley's boobs, too, if you're into crazy, uh, Scientologist people. What? Yeah. I was kind of surprised. I didn't think that was a thing. Me neither. And she also, so she's like his secretary who they're also sleeping together. This is before he discovers his weird girlfriend that he hasn't seen or heard from forever. Um, okay, and it's his birthday. And she says she's going to come over. And he's like, you're not inviting anybody over, are you? And he's like, she's like, no, it's just going to be me and you. So they go over... And they're in the middle of having sex. And suddenly, all of his friends burst into their bedroom and start singing happy birthday to him. Mid-coitus. Mid and Kirstie Alley starts laughing like, oh, this was the plan the whole time. And then they all like sit down on the bed and are like have like a birthday cake with like candles and shit. And they're like singing at him. 
And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, he was just having sex. Like, he's he's got a boner, and you're, like, sitting, like, right next to him. You think that's the worst thing? Imagine <laughs> trying to eat cake in a room filled with <laughs> sex fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. I mean, so. that's a powerful odor. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very weird movie. It's not like, I don't know. I give it two and a half stars out of five on Letterboxd. Like, it's okay. It's not, it's not as good as it could be. But it is a weird movie from the 80s that I'd never heard of before. So why not? Um, I might have it. to watch it just because a guy has daredevil powers from a walk <laughs> Yeah, they're not they're not well developed though. Although, okay, get into the daredevil thing. So when he's first blind, he's like, "Well, I'm not just gonna sit at home and feel sorry for myself." So he goes out like you know, newly blind, just using a uh, a uh, fucking cane or whatever to get around. And I'm like, "You've never been blind in your life, and you're getting around awfully easily in this city." <laughs> that I'm sure you did not memorize when you had sight. So he ends up going down to the uh, subway. And of course, there's three hooligans that show up, beat the shit out of him, and take his money. So of course, he has a Superman 2 revenge sort of uh, situation where he goes home, and now he's got his little his little uh, daredevil sight. And so he fixes his cane because they broke it. And then fills it. He melts down a bunch of like, like little like silver, like figures of like cowboys and shit. And it fills his cane with that. And then he goes back there and then beats the living shit out of all three of these guys. And then leaves his cane there. Aren't the, aren't those little figures usually made out of tin? I don't know. Isn't isn't tin like super lightweight? <laughs> They try to pretend like the the cane was like super heavy. He was doing like bicep curls with it and stuff to get used to the weight. Huh. It was fucking ridiculous. I mean, it sounds an awful lot like somebody read a Daredevil comic <laughs> and like didn't understand it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the movie's not great, but they were like, "We can sell this on Kirstie Alley's teats alone." <laughs> She wasn't super famous yet. She, this was only 1984, I want to say. I looked her up. She had done the Star Trek movie. Okay. And I think had just done Runaway, the movie she did with Tom Selleck and Gene Simmons. And she hadn't, she, hadn't, she hadn't debuted on Cheers for another three years yet. So I don't know. Very strange. It's a weird movie. Huh. Um, and then in a week's time, me and Amanda binged through Mindhunter. What did you yeah. think? I really liked it. I thought it was good. I think uh, that uh, there needs to be more serial killers and more profiling and less about the dude's personal life that I don't give a fuck about. Yeah, I kind of figured that's what it was going to end up being like, so yeah. that didn't really bother me. Did you find the main character to just be an insufferable cop <laughs> by the end of it? Yeah. And everybody was kind of leaning that way, so I wasn't really surprised. Um, but hopefully, I mean, the way it ended, hopefully he uh, just kind of realized what he's doing. Maybe for season two, which is supposed to come out sometime this year, 
he'll uh, he'll get his shit together. But we'll see. And um, how, how fucking great is that actor who plays Ed Kemper? Oh Jesus Christ! Uh, he's fantastic. It's ridiculous. But then it made me look up and learn about Ed Kemper, and that terrified the shit out of me. Yeah. Because it's even worse than what they portrayed on the show. I'm like, this is fucking terrible. <laughs> he, he's, he's one of those human beings that, yeah, should be locked away forever. And the fucked up thing is he's so smart that even he knows that, so he doesn't even go to his parole hearings anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so, I've read stuff. They said basically he'd go to his parole hearings and he'd be like, listen, if you let me out, I'm going to fucking kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he keeps telling them, he's like, the world is not ready for me to be out. So please don't let me out. And they're like, okay. And yeah. then the funny thing is with all that, supposedly they say he's like a model prisoner. And... Mm -hmm. He even gets like duties of helping like other prisoners like do stuff in the jail and stuff. And... Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's just fucked up. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm excited to see what second season brings. Um, I know there are some uh, BTK killer uh, stuff going on throughout the entire season, which is interesting. Oh, oh holy shit. So, mentioning BTK, uh, mm -hmm. in Patriot, uh, God, what the fuck is the actor's name? The guy who plays Red Foreman in that 70s show. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kurt Woodsmith. Kurt Woodsmith. So, he's in Patriot, and, you know, now he's, he's older, and the way they've got his facial hair and stuff in Patriot, he mm -hmm. looks exactly like the BTK killer. Like, it's ridiculous how much he looks like that guy, and I've never realized that. I was like, Jesus, if they do a biopic of that motherfucker, they need to have him play him, because he looks just like him. Just like him to the point that it's, like, horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they started showing, because if you haven't watched it yet, they... they... About two or three episodes in, they start showing this guy at the beginning of every episode. And you can tell there's something up with him. But there's no, like, outright anything is wrong until maybe towards the last two episodes or so. And I'm just like, well, I wonder who that guy's supposed to be. I kind of thought it might be the Green River Killer because um, I know that the FBI interviewed Ted Bundy to figure out stuff, how to catch the Green River Killer. Yeah. So I'm like... But that was later, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like before he, it was like right before he was executed. So I mean, uh, I mean, they at least interviewed Bundy like the late seventies. So I mean, it would have been somewhat close. So I'm like, maybe that's what they're leading up to. They're going to interview Bundy mm -hmm. in season two, but they, um, yeah, they didn't end up catching catching the Green River Killer till the nineties. So, but mm -hmm. I thought that might be where they were sort of leading with that, but. Then I was looking stuff up. I'm like, oh, now it's supposed to be BTK. Okay. Like, that makes sense, too. But, I mean, they didn't catch him until the 2000s. So, I'm curious to see where where all that's going to lead. I, I, don't, I don't know what their plan is with it. But yeah. I, I, I almost have a hard time believing that it's BTK either. Yeah. I mean, that's everything I've read, like, on the IMDb trivia and stuff. Is it supposed to be him? Yeah, I know they say that, yeah. but... Like, have you ever watched his interviews and stuff? Because, you know, they actually have, like, his trial and all his interviews. Mm -hmm. And he 
there's a bunch of scenes where it's like him like getting nervous and backing out of doing stuff and stuff. Yeah. And from the interviews I've seen with that guy, that does not seem to coach with the way he behaves. Mm -hmm. He seems so fucking relaxed about everything. He's basically like, you know, giving them the evidence to give him a death sentence. And he's like, you know, eh, I fucking, you know, I killed her. And then I, you know, I looked at her daughter and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to like, you know, tie you up and torture you and then uh, kill you too. So we should probably get that over with. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Too, but yeah. <laughs> it was really good and ended sort of on a cliffhanger. So, Amanda was like, well, I'm glad I know they're at least doing another season because I would have been pissed off if, if uh, we would have watched this right when it came out and then not known if they're getting another season or not. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious. I want to see uh, what other sort of serial killers they uh, get into on second seasons. They do have uh, Richard Speck, which is local to us. His, uh, his trial was held in Peoria. Because they couldn't hold it in Chicago. I don't know. I don't know who else they'd bring in. Gacy? Yeah, I, <laughs> I have no idea. We'll have to see if there's any time jumps or anything. <clears throat> um, and then the very last thing I watched, which uh, Doug recommended last week and I had been wanting to see, was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And I will say that uh, the hype is completely worth it. It was super fantastic. Uh... I absolutely loved it. It may be the best, if not one of the best, Spider-Man movies of all time. I don't know. I, I'm not sure why I haven't gotten to see it yet, because I'm super excited about it. Yeah. It's it's so good. It's fantastic. The main character, of course, is Miles Morales. And then everybody else is sort of supporting characters, but we get to see Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Ham, Spider-Gwen who now in the comics goes by Ghost Spider because actually going by Spider-Gwen makes absolutely no sense for her secret identity. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then, unfortunately, as Doug was telling it, we were hoping that the Japanese Spider-Man was the one from the live-action TV show, but it was actually the girl, little girl version from the manga comics they put out. However many years ago. Penny Parker. Um, so, no Leopardon, but... Oh. I've heard that they've already greenlit a sequel and that Spider-Gwen may end up getting her own spinoff, so there's always time to pull in something else. I just I just need Leopardon. <laughs> well, I mean, if you read the, the Spider-Verse crossover, he was pretty integral a couple years ago. Yeah, but he, like... Uh... I don't know if I can read that, though, because I like a bunch of the alternate versions of Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And I know that they were basically using those comic books as an excuse to kill a whole bunch of them. Eh, none of the main ones that uh, everybody kind of knew. They killed off a bunch of the ones they created just for that crossover. Yeah. Um, so, that's good. I'm reading the sequel of Spider-Geddon right now. And they have killed off a couple notable ones, which has made me sad, but... Is, is Spider's band still going? Oh, yeah, he's still in it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just read his uh, 
because they have one that's just like called Vault of Spiders that just gives you the origins of some of the <laughs> yeah the, the, the Spiders Man one and Spiders Man one is one of them where uh, there wasn't one radioactive spider there was like a whole just like like fucking swimming pool filled with radioactive spiders and Peter Parker fell into it and they all absorbed his uh, his basically his consciousness oh and so. They just, yeah, they crushed themselves into a Spider-Man suit and basically moved like a hive mind. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, yeah, it's it's good. So, yeah, I'm I'm slowly going through it. I still got to read the Spider-Gwen because I've pretty much bought, like, all the tie-ins because I don't read comics anymore. So, like, reading all of the tie-ins for, like, this one storyline isn't going to bankrupt me like it would have back in the day. So, <clears throat> I've been reading that, and I got to read the uh, the Spider Gwen uh, tie-ins, and then there's like a uh, another like Edge of the Spider Verse, which has more like stories of some of the alternate Spider Men. So, I just need to read that, and then read uh, the last issue of Spider Gwen. Have you have you read much Spider Ham? These little no. damn funny books. I always thought he was interesting, and I, but I really never read much of his stuff. And then I was really sad when he was gone for like a long time. Well, they read they read different because they read like uh, more like funnies. You know what I mean? Like mm. not like uh, not like a traditional comic book comic book, but like an actual yeah. comic strip book. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of like side characters that just just some of the ideas they come up for them almost brings you to tears. Like Goose Rider, Goose Rider's <laughs> probably my, my favorite fucking comic book character ever. Is a nice. flaming a flaming head goose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked first originally like the comic book. I was excited. I'm like, well, well, it's going to be a part of it. And then it's like, of course, he's like a giant part of it. So I'm like, okay. Then, then I, yeah, but the movie is amazing. The, uh, I've been a Spider-Man fan forever, uh, but I never really read any of the Miles Morales stuff. Kind of understood why they did it. And it was the ultimate verse or the, uh, the ultimate, universe they can kind of do whatever and it wouldn't you know really fuck up anything now they've kind of merged them together it is a little weird that there's two guys running around to spider-man but uh so i don't really know like i mean i kind of knew the basics but i didn't really read any of that stuff and then uh since he's the main character like this is the whole his origin story it's like the entire movie yeah and i ended up really enjoying it that was really good and I feel like they just named this movie. Because um, there was some, like, quote, and I don't know, Stan Lee would get asked a lot of stuff, and I think he would just bullshit a lot of the times just to give them the answer they wanted. And this may have been one of them, but somebody asked him about Miles Morales, and he said that, you know, they purposely created wearing a suit and everything so you never see, like, who was underneath of it. So that any kid, no matter what color they were, could pretend to be Spider-Man 
and picture themselves like in the comic book, even though you knew that Peter Parker, of course, is white, but Spider-Man himself, you know, you could be Spider-Man. Yeah. And they completely nail in this movie, like, why that is, like, important. Like, sort of the, the line, was it from Dark Knight Rises or whatever, when he tells them that Batman's not a person, it's it's an idea. And they kind of, like, build on that idea in this in this, uh, in this movie, that obviously he has the powers of Spider-Man. And then you just have to, like, you can be Spider-Man because he's always like, oh, I'm not, I'm not as good as all these other guys or whatever. And you just have to believe in yourself and, like, all that stuff. And I feel like they just nailed that in a much more coherent way than I just described it. But if you watch the movie, by the end of it, you're like, fuck yeah. Like, you can, you can do it and whatever. And, yeah. So I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Do they, um, do they uh, follow along my theory that the uh, Spider-Man's greatest weakness is that he is Peter Parker? Because um, Peter Parker sucks at being Spider-Man. <laughs> Everyone else is better at being Spider-Man than Peter Parker is at being Spider-Man. No, they don't really do that. But but they show you the, alternate, the alternates because like the Spider-Man in Miles Morales' universe has been Spider-Man for 10 years, and he's badass at being Spider-Man. Yeah. And he's voiced by Chris Pine, which makes it even better. And then uh, the Spider-Man that comes through the portal is, you know, late 30s Spider-Man, and he's been Spider-Man forever, and he's so tired of being Spider-Man, and he fucking hates it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there's like some good juxtaposition of of uh Peter Parker just <laughs> like all this crazy shit. So yeah, it's good. They don't it's sneak good. in uh superior Spider Man for a minute, do they? No. No, no superior Spider Man, but if you stay for after the credits, they do sneak in Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Ooh. In one of the most fantastic ways that you will die laughing the entire time. <laughs> So it's pretty fantastic. I'm guessing it's Spider Ham harassing him. No, <laughs> I would say even better. But uh, but there's a lot of funny Easter eggs. They do sort of that meme of Spider Man sitting behind the desk from the '67 Spider Man. They pretty much put that image into the movie and make it fit. <laughs> like you're just looking at it, and it, I mean, if you if you're not aware of the Spider Man meme. It'll just go by and will be nothing. If you are aware of it, you just look at the, you just look at the visuals and you're just like, oh, they fucking did that on purpose. That's fucking hilarious. Do they have Jake Jonah Jameson having a, a conniption fit because there's twenty Spider Men? They do not. Oh, see, that's disappointing. <laughs> there is a, a J. Jonah Jameson cameo, but only in the post credits. They're all menaces. <laughs> menaces everywhere. <laughs> But yeah, the I mean they do a fantastic job. There's so many throwbacks to like everything Spider-Man related. Um, yeah, so I don't think they should. They could do a, a movie series of t- the 2099 stuff, mm-hmm. and that would be real fucking fun. Yeah, I'd you, could almost, you could almost just do it all animated. Yeah, I'd be all about it. I was a big Spider-Man 2099 fan when it was out. And then uh, 
Spider-Man 2099 was real good. Doom 2099 was real good. That's what I heard. I never read. I didn't read anything except for the Spider-Man ones. But then... Ghost Rider 2099 was interesting. Yeah. But it's weird because he's like a like a Android Ghost Rider. <laughs> like a Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Then they pretty much canceled everything except for Spider-Man. And then eventually that got canceled. Yeah. But then... Yeah, uh, it, was, it was always meant to be like a limited run anyway. But then like before and after Spider-Verse, Spider-Man 2099 got his own series again. That's awesome. So he factored into some of the uh, superior Spider-Man stuff, which I thought was interesting. I remember, if I remember right, the one that kind of ended up sinking 2099 was Hulk 2099. Because, you know, everybody gets all bonery over Hulk until they get a Hulk book, and then they're like, this sucks. Yeah, pretty much. This isn't the one specific version that was only in 10 fucking comic books 20 years ago. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, do you want to tell us what we're doing next week? Uh, I've decided we need to bring back the sleaze. Doug wasn't here to shoot him down, so yeah. he had free reign. It's too, it's too anti-sleazy up in here, so we're going to do... Uh, Two movies with with way too much in common, <laughs> uh, Chained Heat and Red Heat, both uh, women in prison films starring uh, Linda Blair. <laughs> that as we read the plot synopsis, we're like, this is the same movie. Yeah, this is it's the same movie. She made the same movie three years apart. <laughs> yeah. So next week we're gonna be t- talking about uh, just a bunch of naked women and. In prison, beating each other up, pretty much. Right. Hopefully, by then, Doug's moose problem will have evaporated. <laughs> I don't know why he keeps the, his internet just like out in the yard. He should really move it, like up, up on top of his house or in his house or something. That moose just gets tangled up in it all the time. Is it is it weird that anytime anybody talks about Canada? I always assume all their houses are just out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Doug probably lives in a town, but I just imagine he just lives in this desolate tundra where his nearest neighbor is like 500 miles away. Yeah, just like a house out in the middle of nowhere. And then no matter what time of year it is, there's always like snow on top of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I've actually seen pictures. I think he lives in a townhouse, but. I think those are all staged, and he really just lives in a house out in the middle of nowhere. That's that's what I'm saying. I just don't. I don't know why that is. Like even Vancouver, people are like, "I live in Vancouver," and I'm like, "Oh, I bet your neighbors are only like five, six miles away." <laughs> uh, poor Canadians. Them and their goddamn healthcare. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck them! I'm jealous. I hate them. <laughs> uh, it's a love, love, hate relationship. <laughs> I'm just gonna stay mad at them until my and hold my rage in until it becomes a medical problem that I then have to go pay a shit ton of money to take care of because I don't have free health care like in Canada. Yeah, I was gonna say there's good news and there's bad news though. So my new insurance, my max out of pockets, three thousand two hundred and fifty dollars, mm-hmm. and. uh my year goes from uh, the first of the year to the end of the year, right? So it's actually calendar year. Mm-hmm. And 
while it sucks that I'm getting ready to have to spend a shit ton of stupid fucking money, I'm going to hit my max out of pocket by the end of this month. Which means I'm going to get every fucking thing I need to get done this year. Like, everything. Are you, are you dying? <laughs> Just give me all the medications. <laughs> Unnecessary surgeries. Remove my appendix. It might go bad someday. <laughs> well, I'm in every too far behind you. I had to go get a bunch of uh, blood pressure test stuff done today. So blood pressure is way too high. And so I'm probably going to end up hitting my max out of pocket at some point. I'm and I'll be like, ha ha! It's free it's, healthcare for me for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's it's insane. I had them calculated, and just from I have to go get a doctor's appointment, I have to have a sleep study done, and then there's a 99% chance I'll have to get a CPAP, right? Because I've got terrible, terrible sleep apnea, and I'm probably going to die in my sleep if I don't get one. Mm -hmm. Just between those things, three things, I'll already be at my max out of pocket. Yeah, been there, done that. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. That is so much money. They said without, if I didn't have insurance, the sleep study, $7,000. Yeah. That's stupid. Yep. Tons of fun. Yeah. Bullshit. So they can watch you sleep and then tell you, you're going to die in your sleep. Yeah. They're like, you have sleep apnea. And it's like, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> everyone knows that. Why did I have to take a seven thousand dollar test? Oh, mine was, mine was actually pretty enlightening though because, uh, so I was I was like getting like no REM sleep at all, like I would go to work and then I'd come home and sit on and pretty much almost fall asleep on the way home like sitting at a stoplight, and then I'd get home sit on the couch while Amanda was making dinner, and then would pretty much fall asleep in the 20 minutes she was doing that. And then I was tired, like, all the time. So, of course, I went in. I'm like, uh, obviously, there's something up. So, you know, I need to go get this uh, taken care of. Right. And so I went and got the, the sleep study. And then uh, she showed me, because I slept half the night just regular. And then half the other half, they put, like, a mask on me while I was sleeping. And so she hands this piece of paper to me over there over the table and she's like okay see this little section here that uh counts your REM sleep I'm like okay and so the part where I slept on my own it looked like someone took a black ball ballpoint pen and just lightly touched it to the paper and made a little little hash mark <laughs> and then the next after they put the mask on me was just a black straight line and she's like, this is this is basically how much REM sleep you were getting without the mask. And I'm just like, holy fuck. She's like, I don't even know how you were able to tie your shoes most days. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense for a lot of things that's happened over the past couple of years. Right. <laughs> <sighs> getting old sucks. That it, that it does. Need to have the doctor take a look at it, too. It's like my sinuses are clogged. Or something and they have mm. been for like two years mm. and i don't know what the fucking deal is it's like i have a stuffy nose all day every day and it, it's not like it's running or anything it's almost just like like my nasal cavity is just swollen all the time yeah. so i can't hardly breathe through my nose yeah my friend tim thought that so he went to the doctor turns out he had a giant mass in his sinuses oh well that's terrifying <laughs> But they luckily, I mean, it was benign, but it's just yeah, this thing growing in his nose, so they had to 
cut it out. Yeah. Well. So you get, you get to look forward to that. Well, like I said, I'm already going to be at max out of pocket free surgery. <laughs> Pull it out of my face. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.